0: Hello, and welcome to the Humanizing Growth Podcast Series, brought to you by the Institute for Real Growth. Each week, IIT founders Frank Von Driest and Mark DeSwan arens will be talking to global leaders and practitioners to discuss what it takes to
1: drive human centric growth. For more information, visit www.instituteforrealgrowth.com.
0: Good morning, good afternoon. And good evening. This is Frank van den Beest. I'm super excited and I look so much forward to the next hour because uh, I have two very special guests and it's also the combination that makes it so unique. Evelyn Doyle, who heads HR at Patagonia and Alex Weller, who heads marketing at Patagonia, focusing on the uh, EMEA region, are here together. and, And we're going to talk about how you scale activism, how you scale impact, both internally and externally, and how they can reinforce each other, and what the barriers are that we need to overcome. So with that, Evelyn and Alex, a very warm welcome. Uh, Let me start by asking you, where are you and how are you? Evelyn.
1: Thank you, Frank. Very happy to be here today with you and with Alex. I'm in Amsterdam, in my home, probably like so many others. And how am I? I'm good for, it's Friday afternoon.
0: <laughs> You're looking at the snowy world outside. You like yes. skating over the weekend. We're close to each other. Alex, how are you and where are you?
2: I'm really well, thanks Frank. Um, I mean, I'm also in Amsterdam. So um, I am, uh, yeah, experiencing the Arctic blast, which is a lot of fun, certainly with the kids. <laughs> and uh, yeah, really looking forward to this conversation. Certainly this kind of type of three-way conversation. It's a new one for me, so I'm, I'm excited.
0: So let's start with, I mean, Patagonia, obviously, uh, there's many viewers here that, that really looked forward. I mean, it's a brand that, that many people look up to. You're way ahead of others in the journey to make impact and to deliver on your purpose. But let's start maybe by, by reiterating what that purpose is and how you look at activism
2: we're an outdoor clothing company based in in California which I think most people know and we were we were actually founded quite a long time ago in the early 1970s by the same guy Ivon Chinard who still owns and runs the company which is amazing we have an octogenarian boss and he keeps us all very very honest and the you know the mission for the company that we had uh, certainly the one that I kind of inherited when I joined the company five years ago was a long one, but a really good one. And it was build the best product, cause no unnecessary harm and use business to inspire and implement solutions to the environmental crisis, which is quite long. It's also quite convenient because we could look at different parts of that mission and and really focus on building great products, mitigating the impact of our business as much as we knew how, and sharing our learnings with, with the rest of our customers and businesses to hopefully scale all that up and make it as impactful as it could possibly be. Until about 18 months ago, when Yvonne changed our mission statement overnight, without any forewarning, to, we are in business to save our home planet. And that was daunting. That was a real kind of reckoning for us, moving from a very convenient coat that we were all used to wearing quite comfortably to something that was much tougher to live up to as an aspiration and a mission. But that is the journey that we've been on and the introduction of such a single minded and bold mission statement has, has really played a, a significant part, I think, in transforming our business over the last year to 18 months.
0: What are the one, two or three things that, that were most directly, let's say, the consequence of that, of changing that mission statement? What's different now?
2: You know, the first thing that was different is it had had a powerful galvanizing effect insofar as there was really no longer any place to hide within our mission. It was very clear to every single one of us that that was our job, regardless of which part of the company you worked within, whether it be marketing or HR or any of the other parts of the business. The fact that this company exists to save our home planet really helped galvanize us as a company. I think the second thing that it very noticeably did and in very short order was accelerate the boldness of the initiatives within the company, both in terms of our focus on our supply chain and really kind of speeding up the necessary innovation within our supply chain, which is the most damaging part of our company from an environmental perspective, but also in terms of the boldness of how we speak to the outside world about our work. There was a a new bold forcefulness to the language that we use and the things that followed the change of the mission statement, some of the quite famous work of recent times, the president stole your land, Patagonia action works, vote the assholes out. These are all things that I don't think would have happened prior to the new mission.
0: That's impactful. It, It almost feels like I can imagine that if you worked at Patagonia at, at that moment, a year and a half ago or so, that it's a moment like, where were you when you heard it, right? So Evelyn, where were you when you heard it? And more importantly, what was the impact for you?
1: Oh, where was I? I was, I, I was with my, my team, with Alec, Ryan, our former boss is now the CEO. And we were kind of all looking at each other saying, okay. What do we do with this? And that's what we love about Patagonia. And he, Yvonne said when he brought this out at the time, he said, you're smart people, go figure it out. And I'm lucky to be surrounded by smart people. And we're still figuring it out. I think what it did was galvanize us around our mission even more so and brought a clarity to us that we probably did not have before. We have been a mission-driven organization for 40 years or more, as, as Alex mentioned, but I think it really just galvanized us. And I couldn't have come at a m- more opportune moment when you consider everything that's happening since that time as well in this world.
0: Evelyn, that sounds like, uh, yeah, that's, that's all good news. There must, have, there must have been challenges that come with that. Otherwise, l- let's all do it. And then tomorrow we'll all feel great and we're all galvanized. To tell me about what, what were the challenges that you had? And maybe let's start from an internal perspective. And we'll also talk about the upside and the things that you've done, you know, since. But, but, but tell, me, tell me a little bit about what were barriers that needed to overcome with that switch.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think really you have to then look at focusing on how do we communicate and corral our internal community around this new statement? What does it mean for us and that 's collectively as as leaders and as team members and I think you have to look at then who is part of this community and are do they really want to be part of this uh, new mission and Looking at that from a hiring lens it 's really really doubling down on ensuring that you're hiring mavericks who want to really take part in that call to action to save our home planet and looking for people who are passionate and care about something more than just delivering your skill set to a workplace and really doubling down also on how do you connect up the talent that you bring in to that mission statement you know how do you create platforms and processes to unlock their voice to help you in saving the home planet as a company that makes profit and is in business to save the home planet
0: there undoubtedly were also people that actually felt quite safe hiding behind you know focusing on one of the areas did you have did you also have to say goodbye and 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 part ways with with colleagues who were just not ready for you know uh you know a company where you couldn't hide and and had to focus on this and and be driven by this
1: we hire slow in Patagonia um, because we take a lot of time. You have to see a lot of people so that we can figure out if you can really bring you know, a culture add to our organization uh, and want to come with, ser- with serving that mission. And not everybody comes to it from the same, same angle. Some come from the sports, co- our core sports. Some come from environmental activism. And then we have a group who come somewhere in between. Um, But we have to unlock, you know, overall, do they have uh, a love of nature and and saving the home. And I think rather than focusing on, of course, we're like any other organization, some people want to stay with us, some people don't. Um, Because it is confronting to be in a company that asks bigger questions than just, you know, what's in the financial statement. Um, But it was more about nurturing and making people feel that they had a, a voice even if that voice came from um, places like how as an accountant can i relate to we're in business to save our home planet some of that came about by unlocking voice within our financial team to see how they could um, um come up with ideas around sustainable banking um and connect with external people on on focusing on that so it's all about how do you connect up the voice that everybody has within Patagonia to our mission? And I think what we concentrated on was more, how do we do that rather than, and, and creating a safe place for that within our, within our community.
0: Since the, the change in the mission statement, what was the commerce, what was the impact on the business? Maybe on sales, on, on orientation also, and yeah. the focus on sales, for example.
2: You know, the question of, the commercial side of our business and the role of growth within Patagonia is you know it's it's a constant dialogue within the company, as you might expect. We talk about responsible growth, and responsible growth means first and foremost that we're able to take care of all of our most important stakeholders. And that starts with our employees, um, but it also you know continues out to our partners, including our supply chain. So building a company that is sustainable and that includes financially sustainable, is is really important. So that's just a sort of, a, if you like, a foundational context that being financially healthy isn't a bad idea within this company. We're a Mm for-profit company. And the one thing that I have certainly experienced in my time here is that the more strident we are in the things that we care deeply about, the more people are interested in engaging with us. And people choose to engage with Patagonia in a lot of different ways. Some people choose to engage with us by learning how to repair their clothes. For some people, it might be their first interaction with environmental activism of some kind. But for a lot of people, engagement with Patagonia is buying high quality clothing from us. To a certain extent, being proud that they can symbolize their shared values with us. And so as we have become, I would say, more strident And publicly explicit about our our mission our community has grown and our business has grown but I, i need to be really clear that at no point have we discussed the coupling of those two facts one hasn't been designed to drive the other but another really powerful outcome of our growth is our ability to also accelerate our impact on the issues that we really care about
0: no, no, it's like the total snowball effect, right? I mean, one reinforces the other. It's a very motivating answer, I, I must also say. So, somebody highlights the fact that you distinguish these different stakeholders. Now, at the Institute for Real Growth, we talk about humanizing growth. And with humanizing growth, we mean value creation over the long term for all our stakeholders, being our colleagues, our consumers, and customers and partners. The communities, including the planets in which we operate, and ultimately the capital markets or the shareholders. Now, Evelyn, I, I, I'm asking you that not with you know with your HR cap on, but is there a sequence or an order in the importance of these stakeholder groups for Patagonia?
1: I think it's planet first, um, and I think because that's what the DNA. That's That's the red thread uh, throughout our organization. Uh, That's what we hold with our core values. But I think we treat our internal community, our employees, and our customer community, the external facing, they're both equally important. And I think that we treat them in, in the same way in terms of approach, in that we can, just as customers, come and vote for with their money by buying Patagonia because they believe, you know, in good quality product that you know is is a mission driven organization and and protecting the planet. Our employees come with their talent and their skills, and they vote that they want to be with us uh, to make that change and impact. So one is as equally as important as the other, and I think that that's the way we treat it in Patagonia, and we we give our employees voice by um, allowing for. Two month paid internships. You know, when we had the climate uh, actions about a year or so ago, we invented a bail policy where we would give our employees bail and get them out of jail if they went out into the streets and marched for environmental activism. Uh, this is a first for me uh, in terms of my HR career where a company is willing uh, to do that. And it's also about involving our employees just as our customers. And gathering them together through events and knowledge sharing and that's where people from all walks of life politicians academics we want to learn and know what we can do to save our home planet we actively involve all the different stakeholders and oftentimes bring them all together by what we do
0: uh, that, that's so fascinating about and that's also why you know that because we discussed that uh, that, that we we also uh, asked alex to join so we have an hr and a marketing perspective and by what you say actually these are really intertwined in your case so, so if you have this global mission how do you localize and 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 i run a company that was focused on how to lead global brands and stay locally relevant but also globally consistent that's a big challenge let's let's start evelyn on on your end internally is there any adaptations that you apply in your internal programs based on social or cultural differences in the, uh, uh, let's say, in in the um, the employee force?
1: First and foremost, we recognize that, you know, everybody is a human being. We're all part of the ecosystem, but we all have something different to bring to the table. So it's a recognition of that, I think. In terms of our internal uh, community, we have in EMEA spread across eight to nine countries. Uh, our employees all coming speaking with different languages. In Amsterdam alone, we have twenty-five different nationalities. So, of course, it's wonderful to have that diversity, but you also have to put in the structures and the programs to to embrace that. And I think, again, it's a bit like coming back to our sort of. At the top of the call, I mentioned that we have kind of three groups of employees within our internal community. Those who come from a love of the core sports that we operate in, those who come from really being environmental activists and those who come from somewhere in the middle, they're just deeply passionate about serving a mission. And I think what we try to do consistently is break down barriers that it doesn't matter what function you're in, we're all part of that mission. And we created also about a year ago an Earth University program where we brought cross sections of our employees together in forests, learning together and asking ourselves the bigger questions that are outside of our jobs about you know what does it mean to save our home planet mm-hmm. um, and what does it mean to take direct action um, and grounding us together in nature in forests, and learning about leadership from the ground up. And really confronting yourself and each other as team members about, you know, what's your stake stake in this? What are you going to give? What is you and your job? How are you going to serve this mission? And how are we going to serve it together? So I think that that breaks down a lot of barriers in terms of, you know, the good cultural differences that comes from a diverse group. Um, And we just keep centering it around that mission. That program was four modular programs bringing our retail our office, our sales force all together uh, in the forest, learning together and, you know, asking what does it mean to revolutionize? What does it mean to have a call to action? How do you find your voice? Building their storytelling capability so that they could be our brand ambassadors uh, internally and externally. And that's another way of unlocking employee voice. In essence, it's really about centering people about uh, around and about your purpose and your mission and educating around that uh, and i think do in doing so can bring those cultural differences together for a greater good
0: alex to what extent have you engaged personally like like have you been built out i mean do you participate in those programs that that uh, evelyn just talked about
2: yeah I've, I've, I've not had the good fortune of being arrested by the Dutch police yet <laughs> but many of my colleagues have including my former boss and yeah I mean we uh, certainly for the last spring rebe- uh, rebellion here in Amsterdam that was of course for those, for those people that live here was um, a disruptive but important moment and um, we all played different parts in that whether in as uh, support roles in that work um, on the ground helping people out with food and water but we were very careful to ensure that you know that we didn't have the entire employee population locked on. As they say, and the times that I've been out and campaigned with the company and with my fellow employees and with our customer communities, it's been a, a really um, powerful and an emboldening experience. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've we, we've done that we've done that many times. But no, to your question, I haven't yet been arrested. Mm-hmm.
0: No, no, no. Well, well good.
1: Um, but we, we've been trying hard to.
2: We've been try, yeah, we've been trying hard.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the one good thing is that, you know, it's, 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 it's something that we actually really try hard to do. And yes, our former boss is very happy that he was uh, <laughs> arrested mm-hmm. in that respect.
0: But let's talk, Alex, just going about you, because you came from, I think you worked from Converse, you worked in, in, a, in a range of different companies, and then yeah. five years ago, you joined. To what extent did you, were you clear on your own personal purpose? What did it mean to, to join Patagonia? And was there an impact? Was one impacting the other?
2: I, th- I think, like most people i was this is this is an, an analogy Frank that you and I have discussed before i was I was already on the mountain with regards to my own values um, in relation to sustainability and social justice. But I think also, like most of us, how I lived those values through my work was incredibly mixed, and for the most part your your work is defined by the culture. Uh, uh, and it is defined by the management of the company that you work within. And so moving to Patagonia and really being in an environment and in a culture that actively enabled that those that value set and encouraged you to apply it not only in your work, but as Evelyn's just explained through, through things like marching and campaigning uh, in your own personal life. And of course, the impact of that is really to accelerate the path to accelerate that journey and and move you further up the mountain. And it does have a very symbiotic impact on the work because the the deeper that you work in that space, the more you are able to apply that knowledge to the work, in in my case, to the work of marketing, you know, to give you some very tangible examples of, of how that sort of symbiosis works. You know, once you adopt the mindset of taking responsibility for your impact, and then if you see impact and own it then the next step the next course of action is to mitigate that impact is once you see the impact of the things that you didn't previously consider like the carbon impact of moving points of sale around the region or the social impact of investing in platforms like Facebook and Instagram that are propagating hate speech, once you take ownership of that knowledge and that information, really the only course of action that can follow is to address it and and to mitigate it. And it comes a little bit back to the mission statement and this idea of not really having anywhere to hide. I think the the most empowering thing in my experience about my short journey at Patagonia has been this empowerment to really get after changing the way business can be done, and that includes changing the way marketing can be done and so I've probably I've probably unlearned as much as I've learned in this period of time, and that's not technical marketing learning and unlearning. It is about meaningfully applying mission to your daily work.
0: I can imagine that working in a company like Patagonia, you know, you really need to do some soul searching about your own purpose and and what are you willing to sacrifice for that, and so on. And, and I was wondering. When you work as such a mission-driven company, in the end, we're all human beings. We like to go to, I don't know, the Caribbean and enjoy the sun there or visit a rainforest whilst at the same time, you know, we're, that's, that, that, there's impact of uh, flying. I, I, can, I can understand, I, I, I would believe that in a company like Patagonia, that's really a big topic. Does HR play a role? Like, do you foster those conversations with each other and, and, and the soul-searching maybe that people have to do?
1: Oh, God, Frank, it, it's it's a daily, um, hourly conversation. I mean, I, I have a little bit of a smile on my face because you mentioned the word sacrifice. We, we actually talk about sacrifice a lot in fact to ryan who's now our ceo uh, he can he can talk in depth about what are you willing to sacrifice here because of course we can't have it all way we can't uh, you know be carbon neutral and fly around the world we can't you know these are confronting things and these are real things and i think for me as somebody who's an hr professional within patagonia just really really understanding that the big big learning and that big unlearning for me was really confronting that you're part of the ecosystem, you're not standing outside of it. And if you want to save the home planet, you better recognize that, you know, you need to deal with these confronting issues. The thing that in terms of what you asked about sacrifice is asking ourselves those big questions and really building processes and systems around that. It's terribly, terribly challenging, but it's something that that's why we hire people who are willing to challenge the status quo. And I think also learning about what we can put back into the system rather than what we can extract from it and understanding that, you know, it's a systems change process we're going through. So this is a a longer term journey. It is not something that is, you know, we can put sticky plasters on. So we have now, we are now currently going through a sort of a reimagining our business uh, process with our employees who are, all of us are actively involved in this. And some of the key themes that are coming out of that reimagine is how we work, what does justice and equity mean to Patagonia in terms of the future, and also about where can we scale our impact. And this means like confronting things from our travel policy to looking at equity across all fronts uh, in, in our organization.
0: So to what extent, you know, is there a barrier between, you know, what you do in your private life, if you will, um, and l- let's say in your weekend? Like, yeah. How do you think about guilty pleasures, maybe in that sense?
1: No, know, it's a that's a really good question, and I look first and foremost. I think that the I think that Alex would share this point of view with me, is that the one great thing about Patagonia. Look, we don't get everything right, and these things are challenging, and we have everyday problems like every other organization has. But it's the first place I've worked in where there's very different. There's There's really not a line between the Evelyn I am sitting in my own home and the Evelyn that I have, I am going to work because the mission connects up and confronts you so much about, you have to ask yourself your own personal transformation. I think I've gone through a personal transformation in Patagonia as well as a professional one. And I think this is where, you know, the more that we educate on our mission, the more we're getting employees very naturally to sort of ask themselves, well, If I do this in my private life, and if I travel by plane plane all the time, or if I really want to protect wild spaces, maybe I have to stay more local. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't buy so much clothes anymore. Now, we don't tell people what to do. It's very, very important. Yvonne Chouinard would never really want us to be that sort of a company. We're not a cult. We hire people who have intellectual curiosity. If you have intellectual curiosity... You're willing to look inside as well as outside. And what we do is try to play to that.
0: Alex, let, let's talk about marketing, engaging the external world in, in the work that you're doing. What are some of the, let's say, the big initiatives that, that you're currently working on and, and, and really proud about? Can you tell a little bit?
2: I would love to. There, there, I mean, there's a lot. There's always a lot. There are many layers to the cake as they say, at least in part, because when we pick things up, we don't usually put other things down. What that does mean is we, you know, we're very thoughtful about the initiatives that we take on. Um, but when we do take them on, we take them on pretty meaningfully. Just to kind of rewind a bit from the, from the work itself to maybe the, the sort of the principles that underline how we connect our customers to the mission of the company. You know, first and foremost, environmental action is underpinned by a deep commitment to protect wild places, to accelerate the energy transition, to accelerate the agricultural revolution, and to clean up our own act, to reduce our own footprints and in very practical terms, become carbon neutral by 2025. Now, how do how do our customers participate in in you know in those sort of pillars of work? First and foremost, we encourage our customers to get into contact with the environmental groups that we support. Um, we are a founding member of something called 1% for the Planets, which means that 1% of our gross revenue uh, every year goes into a fund and that fund is distributed to environmental groups via a grant committee, an internal grant committee. We currently grant over a thousand groups globally and here in Europe, there's around 160 groups soon to be closer to 200 actually, that we we support. And they work on a variety of of initiatives, Um, but really the the unlock in terms of connecting uh, our customers to that great work, um, took took a while to realize, took a while to get to. We created a platform called Patagonia Action Works shortly after the new mission statement. In actual fact, and Patagonia yeah, by Action the
0: new mission statement was that initiated or triggered by the uh, new mission statement, or
2: was it, it? It was. It was certainly part of the wave of bold work that that followed the that followed the change of mission statement. Absolutely, you know, the idea with Patagonia Action Works is that we, as a as a as a business as a brand, can get out of the way a little bit and uh, introduce environmental activism directly to our customer groups. And to do that in a way that, you know, people are really used to behaving now, which is, you know, via, uh, via their phone, via their laptop, via, via digital tools. And um, it's proved to be a really powerful way to um, accelerate the important work of the groups and to enable our customers to sort of realize their values, right, to turn their values into action. Um, And creating pathways to action is, is a really critical part of how we communicate. So really ensuring that rather than just saying something, rather than just preaching a value, making it clear that there is an action that you can take upon engaging with this thing, whatever that thing might be. I'll talk about one more one more case study if, if, uh, if you'll humor me for a moment, which is um, a campaign that we have launching in just two months from now called "We the Power." And again, this is born out of the work that we do um, within the energy transition, or as we like to refer to it, the energy revolution, and uh, specifically uh, renewable energy communities, so small groups of people getting together to produce. Okay. And consume their own electricity via predominantly solar and wind. Uh, It's an amazing movement. It's one that is lesser known and one that we believe will play a big part in in helping us to achieve the Paris Climate Accord. So we've made a feature-length film uh, called We the Power. It's going to launch in April. Um, But the most important thing is that we've also gone through the work of partnering with all of the federations across Europe who support the renewable energy community movement to build a plan that will uh, not just get people excited, but capture that excitement and convert it into real meaningful action, which means that people will look at their energy consumption behavior and hopefully realize that very simply they can change it by doing doing something in a slightly different way um, and kind of join this, this, this important, powerful coalescing movement. And so, you know, the idea of that being somehow marketing where of course we're using a lot of the tactics of marketing but really we are using the brand as a platform to accelerate solutions to get people participating in important societal level solutions
0: that's a great initiative by the way it made me think of one of the conversations we had before this webinar is where you said like when i entered i thought that my my objective was basically get people to know and engage as much as with Patagonia as possible. And that you, and that at some stage you reframed it. Well, if we're really mission driven, that shouldn't be my objective or my ambition. It should be to have people engage and deliver on the mission or the purpose of, of the company. I thought it was a very strong reframe. You,
2: um, you know, and, and just to, just to build on that point for a moment, if I may, Frank, because th- that was a, a big light bulb moment uh, for me. And I think, you know, Evelyn sort of alluded to this earlier, working here doesn't really come with a rule book, you know, working out your place within the mission and how you can realize the mission through your work is an unlock that can take some time. But I think realizing that the, the brand itself, the business itself is a conduit to action, to a greater purpose. And that purpose kind of flows through the company but the end objective isn't really the company itself. And I think that's a, yeah, that's, it, it's, it's certainly different. And I think it would certainly for, for me, you know, understanding that a bit of an epiphany.
0: I don't know. It's, it's interesting uh, on the, on the one hand, it's, I had a few thoughts. It sounds so easy and you go like, why don't all companies do what, what you guys do? And, and I also had that, and you mentioned Alex, the, the analogy of climbing a mountain. And I think many of the viewers are a few stations down from where you are. But if you assume that the mountain is equally steep everywhere, it's it, the next step for you is as tough as it is for somebody who just starts. Actually, it might be even tougher because you're high on the mountain and there's less oxygen over there. Evelyn, yeah. c- can you give your perspective on that? Like, th- is like that how it feels to you?
1: This stuff is not easy to do at all, but at least in Patagonia we all feel like we're on the mountain together and we really really invest a lot of time in that you know in breaking down the silos and creating good team spirit and camaraderie around that you know so sort of we sort of feel like we're all marching together to serve that mission it's not easy there's tension points every day about running a business building a great product and serving the mission and then at the same time also corralling our internal community around that and it's not easy to navigate and build a sort of infrastructure that allows for great sort of entrepreneurship voice to bubble up. I mean, I think we have some great examples like Alex mentioned before that, you know, um, both the assholes out campaign. Our way of working or our way of being allowed for two employees in Ventura to secretly uh, stitch into our stand up board short a label that had both the assholes out, and I mean, none of us kind of really knew. It just organically happened. I mean, we continue to really focus on building the platforms inside, internally that allow for voice and, you know, nurture that voice uh, within the company, uh, you know, sort of break down that barriers in, in, in the company. And I think it, again, just galvanizing and centralizing ourselves around that mission, it is not easy. It's, it's, it's like, you know, back to that sort of unlearning point. In all my previous roles, apart from the two, two years I did in an NGO, you know, you were focusing on the bottom line and the shareholder value return. And now everything you do within it within comes with, is this good for the environment the commun- and the community we're in, whether that's within our internal community or external community? And that comes with a lot of discussions uh, and a lot of talking and a lot of meetings. And we actually had somebody new joining us recently, and they said, oh my God, what is all these meetings about? But it's only through a lot of, sort of this democratic debate that we can Confront these big systems change questions that 's where we place a lot of emphasis and education education around what is going on in this world and what what does the impact mean uh, externally and internally to us and I think you know that's that 's just the mission that we will continue to be on and it 's going to be a long journey, but you know the urgency of it by Yvonne changing our mission statement has really made us sort of wake up and smell the coffee here. There's no easy answer to this. You have to be as a leader, you have to walk the talk. You have to be humble, you have to have a conscience about you that you know you really want to serve something more than shareholder value return. And you have to be innovative and passionate in, in bringing around different approaches to how you do your work. And you have to look at it from sort of a regenerative lens again. You know What, what can I put back in instead of what can I extract out? And the more you can do this and whether you're Talking, whether you're you're in sales, whether you're in marketing, if you just keep try to keep these things top of mind, makes it a little bit easier. There's no easy solutions here. It is about sacrifice.
0: I want to. So one of the uh, viewers is shooting a lot of questions. The last question I really like. She says, "New mission, more meetings." (laughs) Question.
1: Well, I think Alex and I could have a could have a bit of a giggle about this one.
2: I think, um, I think you should do a whole. I think you should just do a whole podcast dedicated to meeting culture. I'm sure you'd have a lot of people. Shout <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, I've, what I will say in 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 an honest response to that question is that the process that followed the change of mission statement was that it was a sprint for us as leaders within the company. And one of the things that we um, we recognised we needed to do was create a little bit more of a little bit more guidance for the wider employees the, the the employee community on just how to think about it and how to sort of execute it in your work um so we went on a bit of a a bit of a strategic sprint to create um some more some clear some clearer tools uh, for people to interpret the mission in their work and um that did involve quite a lot of meetings i will say yeah. Um, thereafter, actually, no, I mean, I would say one of the great things and the point that we made earlier, the clarity that the mission brought, actually, um, I think was I think was really helpful in a lot of ways in making us more efficient yeah. in getting after it. I,
0: I can I can see how, especially if you look at external stakeholders, Patagonia will be under a lot of scrutiny because you'll have a lot of natural enemies, so to speak, um, people of interests that, that, that conflict with what, what you're after. Um, and I think if that's the case, you'll have to be very careful. However, we live in a, in, in a society where things change ever faster. And we know from all the, the, the growth studies that we did as an institute is that those that, that, that move faster, that embrace risk taking and experimentation basically just outperform others in many dimensions, not only the, the bottom line. And, and, and you said something really nice, uh, Alex, uh, that, that really stuck with me. You said perfection is impossible. How do, how do you make that work with, with working for a company that's under heavy scrutiny, where you can't make too many mistakes because people will immediately jump on you?
2: You know, I think there is really an incredibly high level of risk aversion in corporate culture, generally speaking. Absolutely know, agree with brand that. brand protection in yeah. the brand image. You know, there are whole teams devoted to that purpose. You know, thankfully for us, there are not whole teams devoted to that purpose at Patagonia. I think when your your owner and your leader is, is notoriously strident and bold in his vision and his opinions, it creates space for people to be equally bold and strident within the company. And yes, we take shots all the time, every day. We take shots from customers on social media. We take shots from journalists, um, even uh, increasingly politicians, certainly in North America. But you know, you can't have such a strong vision and a mission without you know without creating friction without coming into contact with other opinions and you have to be ready to stand up to that and prepare to stand up to that there's no point saying something and then back down somebody you know disagrees with that point of view let's say this is something that we don't take lightly we're very thoughtful with the things that we say and like any business we spend a lot of time Ensuring that the words we use are not offensive, um, that they are not designed to intentionally kind of rattle any individual's cage. They are designed to pull the topic forward. I don't want to use the word conflict, but it is is a daily part of our reality. That, that that that's for sure.
0: Hey, listen to both of you. The, 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 the million dollar questions, knowing. Quite a few of the audience, a lot of them are CMOs that, that, that participate in our leadership program, CMOs of, of Fortune 500 uh, companies that probably can only wish to have a company mission that is so clear, so galvanizing and makes decisions more easy. The reality is that many don't and, and, and are under heavy pressure from their shareholders, etc., Just thinking of viewers who are a few stations down on that mountain that that you've already climbed uh, halfway or maybe even further. Where do you start? What are the things you did? I mean, you gave us some really good advice. You said hire slowly was a clear call out. You said build platforms and systems. Realize that you're part of an ecosystem. Is there any, any other tips or recommendations that that you would like to give the audience.
1: Figure out if you really, really want to take action, if you want to make an impact first and foremost, you know. So are you in business to really do good business in the first instance? If you're not, if you can't answer those questions, then it's probably...
0: What What if I am and my company is much less so? Because that's... My guess is that in more than half of the viewers, that's the case. What's your recommendation? To so this? you
1: are, but my company is not. Yeah. So the employee is, but the company is not. Yeah. I think, look, it's very difficult if an employee is trying to make change internally, you know, with leaders and if it's all shareholder driven value, perhaps that employee is going to come across a lot of blocks. But I think that there's ways you can do that as an employee to take action is to, you know, bring, To bring your whole self to work, you know, to articulate why we should do business in a different way. You know, what kind of skill sets beyond your experience that you can bring to the job to make change. You know, whether, again, back to the example of the accountant, maybe there's a way that we can do this to make it more responsible. To start talking about how we could become a more responsible business and to finding, you know, to finding your allies within work. Uh, that that can make that change happen, and to try and make uh, influence uh, others, uh, you know, about doing good business. But I I don't hold any weight to companies who say that they cannot and make profit and do good business at the same time. And I don't hold any weight to companies who say, oh, well, you're a privately held company, Patagonia, so therefore it's easier for you. We're part of a big corporation. We signed up, you know, to be something more, you know, that legally we have responsibility for environmental and social Uh, action and initiatives. And there are many large corporations, Danone, Unilever, they're all, some parts of it are, or they're all trying to gear up to, you know, to being accountable. And I think that you can make steps, like, look, we as companies extract from the planet. Uh, We, Yvonne Chenault calls our 1% for planet Earth Earth tax. That's just our civic duty to pay that because we're extracting from Mother Earth. So I think it's just about recognising that you can make steps uh, they require sacrifices if you're willing to you know, uh, hurt the bottom line a little bit for the greater good, then you can do this, you can make this change. And what you will have is fundamentally a much more engaged internal community because people nowadays, especially with this coronavirus and this confronting of you know, what's happening in the earth uh, and around us, is people want to come to work and bring their whole selves to work and want to work for a purpose. And you will get the best employees, motivated ambassadors if you start to make those changes and not just be in business for profit alone.
0: Thank you, uh, Evelyn. Very clear. Alex, um, basically the same question to you, but maybe then wearing your marketing hat uh, more. Yeah, I could not agree more with Evelyn. I, I deeply believe that everybody is a leader. It doesn't matter where you sit in the hierarchy. You can make a difference. I also agree with Evelyn that also if your company is maybe much less ready, you know, there's no reason for you to, to initiate and drive change within the sphere of influence that you have. But if you look at it more from a marketing strategic point of view, what would your advice be to, to, to listeners?
2: Well, controversially, CMOs, I would say don't start with marketing. Um, I think if you try and reverse, I think if you try and reverse into your mission and your purpose through marketing, you will have a higher chance of failing. Uh, I, th- I think, not least because you know marketing is is, is exceptionally good at, at, at building stories and connecting with your customers, but you really have to understand first and foremost what is the substance of your of your mission, whatever that might be, and Uh, um, You know, we make clothes and, uh, you know, our our mission is is defined in very clearly in an environmental sense. But mission and purpose can mean a lot of different things and it can be very much focused on, on, uh, on societal benefit, environmental benefit, whatever it might be. I think personally, it is very clear that without all business recognizing its obligation to all stakeholders, we don't as common citizens of planet earth stand much of a chance. And so understanding what your role within that and what your company's role within that of course has to be the first point. And then at some point, get your brilliant, creative, smart marketing minds to really amplify and take that story out into the world and to connect your customers to it. But yes, my one small piece of advice would be don't start with the marketing brief. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so, what's the biggest sacrifice you've made since since you joined? Because you joined, and and secondly, on on a, on a maybe more positive note, is is what is it that you hope to achieve in the let's say in the near future, the one to I know next three years maybe.
1: Patagonia has opened up Pandora's box for me, and I know that I can't close the lid on it anymore. That sacrifice has been really learning that if you want to confront the bigger problems within. Our society within our world, then, yeah, you have to be willing to sacrifice more than just doing your job and, you know, making political statements. You have to take action. And I think I've, you know, gone through just such transformation personally and professionally in doing that. And it's hard work. And sometimes I wish I wasn't so confronted. Uh, because it's damn hard, a bit like what you said, can you fly off to the Bahamas any, uh, anymore? And you're like, I really need to think about my footprint. I really need to think about this because everything you do has an impact. So I think, uh, yeah. And, and, and trying to be creative with solving these problems as well has been a, a huge, huge learning for me. I think for me, what I want to commit to doing uh, from here on, and I'm very thankful that Patagonia gives me that platform is to consistently try and influence and, and uh, bring along the journey to both our internal community and people outside of that, that you can make change happen. You can do good business. And it's not that you have, I think, a right to ask that question anymore. It's a moral obligation as citizens, as parents, as people living on this planet. We have a job to do here. As Greta said, the house is on fire. My job is trying to sprinkle some water on that fire going forward.
2: You know, I, th- I think we've 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 got a, We've got a long road ahead of us. Sometimes the, as you said, that you know the the end yards are harder than the than the early yards. I really truly want to continue to realise the opportunity for this little tiny little outdoor clothing company to move greater business in the right direction um, because. W- it is quite clear that our governments and the institutions that we all are supposed to depend on aren't taking us to where we need to get to anywhere near quickly enough. And we as business leaders have to lead that. We must. If I can, in this position, continue to be part of that, then, yeah,
0: then... Great. Fantastic. Good. Thank you very much. Thank you, Evelyn. Thank you, Alex, for being... Thank you, Frank. ...authentic. And, and I think also gave a lot of... Uh, quite helpful uh, insights and and learnings for for the audience. Thank you very much. Have a lovely weekend and and stay safe. Bye-bye. Thanks, Brian. Thank
1: you.